Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. With One Sonic. High definition audio noise cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour from self-driving tractors to mind-controlled earbuds, we'll talk through the top tech unveiled at this year's Consumer Electronics Show. Derek Riley will join me to discuss the 2022 trends in EVs. Emmett Ryan will give the latest on the Elizabeth Holmes trial. And Kira O'Brien will join me to mourn the loss of BlackBerry. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. Uh, I do hope your 2022 is off to a good start. It has been a busy week in the world of tech, as it often is this time of year, with the Consumer Electronics Show taking place in Las Vegas and online. It wasn't the smoothest of years for the conference, with some of the big players pulling out of the event just days before it kicked off. But still, thousands of people and thousands of brands took to Vegas to show off what they hope will be the next big thing in the world of technology. We know that uh, towards the end of last year, there was a lot of talk about the metaverse. That was a lot of uh, hype, I suppose, on the back of Facebook changing its name to Meta. And that definitely did feature at CES this year. A lot of companies were working to showcase how their tech could fit into this virtual different type of world. But I do think it'll be some time before that becomes the norm. In terms of tech we're likely to want and use in the immediate term, there were a few things that caught my eye and... Yes, we got phones. Yes, we got laptops. But I always love the uh, the quirky and the slightly different items. Um, and there was plenty of those this year as well. L'Oreal uh, unveiled its Colour Sonic. This is a device that I'm sure many people would have loved during lockdown. Uh, it looks like a cross between a curling iron and a hairbrush. And what you do is you decide what colour you want your hair to be. So you pick the colour of the dye. And then you can do it yourself at home. Apparently, it will take the stress out of getting your hair done and allow you to have a professional looking colour from the comfort of your couch. Uh, So that was quite interesting. Elsewhere, we saw Panasonic's, I think it's called the Megan X Compact VR headset. Um, It has a price tag of almost a grand, so it's not super cheap. But it was interesting to see how Panasonic are reimagining the VR headset. For those of you who have never seen one, for the most part, they kind of look like stormtroopers' helmets. Like they are very big, very cumbersome, um, not that comfortable for wearing more than ten minutes or so. I would say, but this Panasonic one looks more like exaggerated goggles. Like they're still quite big, still quite ugly, but they were definitely smaller than the average VR headset. Um, so I do think we're going to see more in the world of VR and um, AR, augmented reality, over the coming months. So that was cool. Plenty for the uh, nature fans and agriculture too. We had Bird Buddy. This is a smart bird feeder that has a camera built in to allow you to see the types of birds that are coming to your garden. If that's, you know, floating your boat. Um, And we also saw a self-driving tractor from John Deere. John Deere is one of the biggest names, if not the biggest names, um, in the world of sort of agri 
tech and machinery. And so to see them bringing out an autonomous tractor that could be controlled by an app um, was super interesting. As always with CES, there was a mixed bag to a lot of those devices. It's always very, very tricky to know what will take off and become the norm and then what will fade into obscurity once the novelty factor has worn off. One area, however, that gained a lot of attention, as it always does, uh, was the world of vehicles. And Derek Riley of the EV Review Ireland YouTube channel is with me now to talk through some of those announcements. Uh, Derek, Happy New Year. Same to you. Um, CES, as I said there, it was a weird year in that it happened in person and online. And a lot of what came out of it, from the online point of view anyway, as someone who wasn't there, it seemed to be all about the novelty factor. I think the only car I really saw a lot of talk about was the camouflage BMW. From what you've seen, aside from the fact that it looks camouflage is there anything of note there? It's a funny one, and it's just going back, we've talked about the CES now for a couple of years, and it is turning into the consumer electronic vehicle show, mm-hmm. really. It's it's as much as it is uh, all the electronic stuff. But to your point about the BMW, and specifically we're talking about the iX, which is their luxury SUV, and specifically within that range, it's the, what they're calling it, the iFlow that has the e-ink on it. A mouthful. Mm-hmm. So for people that are thinking, are wondering what we're talking about, it is a BMW SUV electric and it has a coating or a skin on it very similar to what you will get in an e-reader a la Kindle Mm -hmm. and when a charge is put through this skin it uh, will go from a white colour to a black colour it reminded me of, do you remember a few years ago there was that dress and people couldn't tell if it was blue and black or white and gold? There was an answer to that about it as well, wasn't there? there yeah, so it was funny. I watched, I saw something on Twitter where um, some tech reviewers had looked at it outside and they were saying that BMW had a second SUV in a trailer because it's very heat sensitive. So this is all concepty stuff. Uh, I stuck it up on my social channels and the people were like, this is crazy but also not sure if this is ever going to work because law enforcement if you saw somebody doing something they should have been doing what color was the car sir or madam and they, they say it was mm-hmm. a white car and flick of a switch you've got a black car um now bmw are saying you can individualize your car in the morning would you like stripes on it jess you can have stripes on it uh, to tell you whether the status of the battery is on the outside if it's a ride share vehicle whether it's free to rent or not there's lots of interesting things that we can take from it. I don't think it's too gimmicky. I think the whole car in a color changing skin, yes. Would it ever happen if it got damaged? There was all these kind of th- comments coming at me. But stuff like status of the battery, stuff like is it up to rent, stuff like if you wanted to put individual elements on it, but the main color is whatever color it want to be. I definitely think this is where it's going to go. Yeah, I think, you know, because as you said, that we've been talking about this for a long time now and there are uh, limitations, I suppose, to the outer side of a car. So seeing something like this is interesting. I do think 
that the, you know, is it available to rent right now type uh, notion will be very, very popular and something that they would probably look at. Maybe not changing the entire colour of a car, but maybe like the wing mirrors or something like that. Because when I was at Web Summit a few years ago, one of the big trends um, coming down the tracks that was predicted to come down the tracks was the increase in ride sharing services, the car sharing, like basically like go-car, but right around the world. That would become one of the most popular ways to get access to a vehicle. So things like that are quite cool. But uh, for the most part, I I do think there was an element of the novelty about it. I don't think BMW putting those videos out every three seconds helped (laughs) with getting over the fact that maybe it's a bit of a novelty. I think they call it a bit of peacocking. I think it is what to do. And that's what CES, a lot of that is about. Is. You've been there in person and, and hopefully next year we'll be there uh, at the same time in person, all going well. So there is an element of we need to get some airwaves here. We need to get some some oxygen through the story. So definitely the e-ink story is causing, people are talking about it and like we're doing here now, mm-hmm. whether we'll see it next year, next five years. Uh, but it's it's something different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another sort of talking point, I suppose, was uh, the Sony vehicle we've heard yeah. quite for quite a few years now i feel like we, we've spoken about this about you know t- predominantly tech manufacturers um stepping into the world of cars maybe last year was it that we were talking about the potential for an apple car this year it's sony so what did sony unveil so two years ago we spoke about this when they originally announced their vision s01 kind of a, like mm-hmm. saloon sedan uh, what they call a three box regular looking car uh, and they brought it out and people didn't see it coming as in didn't know Sony were going to bring it out and Sony said we're showing you what we could do if we were to provide you the elements that we make for your cars that you're making so if you are Jess Kelly Cars Limited and you want cameras for the wingers Sony can help you with that Sony can help you with the screens on the inside etc etc so people went okay that's interesting but they were like well Sony you put a lot of effort into like doing ads and videos and and you know put a lot of production into it so people were like will Sony do it then again, this year, 2022 CS, they brought out the Vision S02, which is their SUV version. And whether you like them or load them, SUVs are the most popular car segment in the world. And so Sony have said, well, we've put together a second car. So now Sony have two cars. They have an automotive division. It's a looks like it's a fully functioning car. And again, back to your point, Jess, of are Apple going to make a car? Like there have a lot of employees currently that have left other car manufacturers and have joined Apple. I'm sure the same has happened here at Sony. I I think it's where we're going to start going. Sony are a tech company, be that PlayStations, be that cameras, be that whatever it may be. Why not? The sceptical head on me is wondering, is it not just an element of them putting out a calling card to the car manufacturers saying, work with us, collaborate with us and our tech could go into your vehicles rather than them bringing on the massive expense at a time when there are shortages and so on of building their own line of vehicles? Yes and yes. Okay. Uh, could go either way. It could be that, listen, this is what we can do and look at how beautiful the cars can be and look at all the tech inside in it. And this is very similar to the Zero One a couple of years ago. It has that full width screen behind the steering wheel going from one side to the other. It's predominantly made up of three individual screens. It has the cameras as the wing mirrors, et cetera, et cetera. It has uh, a lot of radar and tech and LiDAR functions within it. So self-driving capabilities. I But you can see how because they haven't got factories all over the world, they haven't got that legacy manufacturing space of an old traditional car manufacturer looking to transition to an electric vehicle. 
Sony have none of that uh, baggage hanging off them. So if they wanted to start developing cars, and we can see with Foxconn, the manufacturer of the uh, the predominant manufacturer for iPhones, they're looking to get into the EV space as well. And they'll say, we'll make you four wheels and a battery in between them. You can stick whatever body you want on the top of it, whether it's the Tech Talk EV, whether it's the Jess Kelly EV, you pay them enough money, they'll make your car. Yeah, it's very much going into that world of modular technology yes. and, and like we, we saw elements of it with certain smartphone manufacturers and I do think you're right I do think we'll get to that stage where and maybe this is kind of what BMW are doing as well that you can kind of pick and choose and customise in a way that makes sense and hopefully then people would either hang on to their vehicles for longer because if they're EVs you could just you know keep the battery up to date and so on and then also swap out different components if it is on sort of a chassis if it's on a particular chassis then ideally you could just swap bits in and out yeah, the, like Volkswagen Group as a whole. So that would include Skoda, that would include Seat, that would include Audi. So what they've done is, they've, and it's been out a couple of years now, and they call it the MEB platform, the Mobility, whatever it stands for, a platform. And that literally is four wheels. And do you want a big battery, Jess? Do you want a small battery? Would you like an Audi body on it? Would you like a Volkswagen body on it? Uh, would you like it small? Would you like it big? And literally, they've put all the effort into developing the four wheels and the battery and the drivetrain what would you like on top of it and so it's already happening it's cutting down costs it's streamlining it uh, and like as you say whether it's sony now whether it's fox or apple they're all going to get into that space so it's exciting times yeah it's definitely one to watch i am i'm interested to see what they do next um let's turn our attention to some of the more traditional um car manufacturers volvo what do they announce very in bed with Google at the moment and getting stronger and stronger. So they announced a, you can be in your house in a cold winter's morning and you can talk to your Google assistant. I won't say the keyword uh, and you can ask it to uh, heat up your car. And so you're around getting your breakfast, getting ready. And when you go out then into the frost and the snow, your Volvo is nice and toasty, warm, defrosted. And this is the element and this is the, the beauty of electric vehicles. It also announced that like Tesla and, and when you're sitting up and you're uh, charging your vehicle, you can potentially now also watch uh, YouTube on the infotainment screen within the Volvos. So that Google integration with Volvo, it's getting stronger and stronger all the time. I've already reviewed a couple on my channel and it has Google Maps integrated with it. So you're not having to plug in your phone and do all that. It literally knows your account. You go into your Volvo, you press home, it knows where your home is. And it's using that Google Maps software, which is probably best in class. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, as Derek said there, you could head over to the EV Review Ireland YouTube channel and check out some of those reviews. Um, in terms of the, the feature of, you know, turning on the heated seats and so on, did that not already exist in app form? Is the new thing just that you can enable it with your voice? Correct. Yeah, a lot oh. of the cars and not even uh, like your Teslas and a lot of cars, you can utilize it for the app, but everything's getting more voice activated and uh, with virtual assistants plotted around your house. And so the fact that you can just say it now and it'll go off and it'll talk to whatever manufacturer and it'll tell that, that car to turn on that heating or preheating. They're looking at ability tend to potentially unlock. They're looking at the potential of allowing access to other people. So it's my car. But I tell my virtual assistant that Jess is going to use it for a couple of hours. You rock up and it goes, uh, Jess is at your car. Do you authorize her to get access and drive it? Yes, I do. And so making that whole, that voice area, and you're well aware of it, Jess, and the ease of using it now, whether it understands the Mayo accent on a regular basis, <laughs> uh, it <laughs> sometimes can be a bit challenging. Uh -huh. So if anybody ever is driving the other way, they see me in a car and I'm shouting out loud, 
that may be why. Classic Mayo person. Um, yeah. Mercedes as well. What what did they have to, oh, up their sleeve? Big announcement, Jess. A thousand kilometre car. Oof. Um, yeah. So this now is is kind of a tipping point where you know you're getting your combustion engine diesels where they do eight nine hundred. Now they're saying right, there's a concept. It's called the Vision X E X. Sorry, EQXX. Uh, and what they've done is rather than putting a bigger battery into it. So if you wanted a, a phone today and you wanted it to last three months, you could just stick a massive battery in the back of it. What Mercedes have done is said right, we're not going to just stick a bigger battery into this car. We're going to make it as efficient as we can be that lightweight materials, be that drag coefficient, which means how slippery it goes through the air. They've done a lot of work in here and now they've said, right, we've got a car and we think we're going to get at least a thousand kilometre range on it. Great to see. So again, reality of that? Um, what we're going to see is that trickle down. So what, what they've said is we can make this car with a 50% smaller battery in dimension and a 30% lighter battery. So all of this will mean, okay, if you want a smaller city car, now we can start packaging the battery technology. And what Mercedes-Benz have done is they've partnered with their Formula One team. And on a Formula One car, it's all about lightweight, speed, being efficient, and said, okay, what technology are you using over there? Let's bring it over to our passenger cars. And this was an 18-month project. And they said, right, after 18 months of us actually focusing on it, we're able to get that. Will we see it on the roads? The concept card that they put out looked really close to something that you could buy in a showroom next month, in my opinion. It has stuff like a, a rear diffuser at the back of it and over 60 kilometers an hour. It kind of elongates and sticks out to make the car even more slippery. So very futuristic stuff, but Elements of all of this will start trickling down to lower models and more models within the mass market. Yeah, that is really good news because if you're listening to this now and you think, okay, great, that sounds fantastic for Mercedes drivers, good for them. The thing is, they do all follow each other to a certain extent. And so if a trend is emerging from those upper class cars, it will. It may take time, but it will trickle down. And then as time goes by, they'll become more affordable. So the norm could eventually be a thousand kilometre range on all EVs eventually. Exactly. They might all start to start looking the same if it is the aerodynamics. But to, again, you're saying about if one manufacturer finds something that works really well, and this was with airbags, this was with seatbelts, mm. this was with automatic headlights, all of this stuff that potentially we take for granted now, one manufacturer had to spearhead it, put the research and development in and use it as a unique selling feature on their vehicle for a couple of years. But now every car has a seatbelt, every car have multiple airbags, you'd hope, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, GM caused a bit of a stir before CES kicked off because they decided not to have a physical presence, but that didn't stop them unveiling some news. Yeah, and, and big, we don't see a lot of General Motors over here, but it's globally, and we potentially will see elements of it coming in. Uh, so their, their pickup truck, their Silverado, that's going to be all electric. So they've announced that, an electric version of it, apologies. And they're doing smaller versions as well, more city cars. They're a big player in the space. They make a lot of the vehicles and them getting into electric vehicles is big news. We also had Stellantis, which is another large group, which is made up of the likes of Peugeot and Opel and Fiat. But in the US, then it's Chrysler and Dodge, etc. And what they're saying is they're going to have all of their Chrysler models. And we would have had them in Ireland here for a while and potentially we'll start getting those brands back again. And they're saying Chrysler will be all electric by 2028. So between General Motors, between Chrysler, we've got Ford coming with their electric pickup this year, the F-150 Lightning. 
as much as we've been chatting for years, Jess, and it's been kind of on the fringes and Tesla this and a bit of that. And But when you start to see these large manufacturers taking these steps and making these announcements, when you're on stage at CES, be that in person or virtually, and you're saying, this is our Silverado pickup and this is going to be electric, you're going to get an electric version of it. And at the very end, then she announced the city car, Mary Barr, you know, showing that it isn't at the fringe anymore. As much as it's a small percentage, and last year it was about 8 9% in Ireland, electric vehicles sold. You know, that's creeping up all the time and globally it's growing bigger and bigger as well. Yeah, I think like I am excited by the news that we got this week and seeing the progress that the brands are or the manufacturers are committed to making. And um, I don't know, I I do feel like it's good news. It's finally a bit of good news. And I think it's going to come more mainstream as time goes by. Um, Finally, Intel and Qualcomm had some announcements as well. Yeah, Intel are announcing their mobile eye unit, which is a division of the Intel. So they'll have an element of cameras and chips and software that will help with self-driving cars, driver assists, lane keeping. And again, you think Intel, you think your phone, you think your laptop, you don't think about being associated with the automotive space or the EV space. And so they're saying, right, if you're a manufacturer, this is the kind of products and services that we have. And then Qualcomm, the chip provider that we know from, again, mobile devices, they're working with Volvo and General Motors on developing uh, faster processing powers because really all of these electric vehicles and new any kind of vehicle is becoming more and more like a smart device on wheels. And, and again, we've talked about that over and over, Jess, but when you see these big players coming in and it's it's names that we're, we know about, we understand, and they're, when they're making announcements at CES to say, this is our self-driving technology that can help you as a manufacturer uh, cut down on accidents, et cetera, et cetera. So lots, lots happening. I'm looking forward to being over there in person. Being, in the, being there virtually is great, but uh, getting on the, on the floor of the show and seeing these announcements, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so finally then, having looked through all that was announced this week, having seen endless amounts of autonomous vehicles, EVs, ridiculously flashy cars, how long will it be before what we have seen over the past few days on Irish roads and fully utilising all of the bells and whistles that they come with? probably talking three to five years and and as much as that sounds like distant future stuff time is like it's 2022 already it's crazy stuff Uh, and so we'll start to see elements come through faster or slower and traditional manufacturers like we've talked about are being put under pressure by new manufacturers coming through from from china the likes of neo and xiaoping etc they're starting to sneak into the european market through norway and now they're launching in belgium and german and so we're going to start to see these brands in ireland and people are going to be like what car are you driving and some people are brand agnostic if it's a good car and it has the range and it has the tech that you want and what we're finding is the cars coming out of china the chinese consumer wants high-tech vehicles self-driving automated etc so that's going to be putting the traditional manufacturers under pressure which is it's good for us as a consumer yeah, absolutely right. There you have it. That was a whistle-stop tour of the EVs reviewed uh, revealed at CES earlier this week. Uh, Derek Riley of the EV Review Ireland YouTube channel. As always, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks, Jess. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. On News Talk. With One Sonic. High-definition audio noise-cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com, as ever, is the email address if you would like to get in touch or indeed if you have any questions. Um, we were talking about CES in part one of the show. 
we mentioned Meta and the Metaverse and how that's going to be a big talking point uh, this year as it was towards the end of last year. Another big story that we spoke about quite a bit towards the end of last year was the trial of uh, Elizabeth Holmes. Now, she is an utterly fascinating person. I'm sure you've seen bits and pieces about it in the last wee while. Um, But Emmett Ryan, the technology editor of the Business Post, is with me now to talk through uh, the the verdict that that came through this week uh, and what it means and indeed the next stage of this story because it's not quite over yet. Uh, Emmett, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Jess. I get the impression, though, from the last few times we've talked, they're just going to assume you have me on for when you want to be cynical about life and tech. Yeah. (laughs) That's basically it. I, I, I was saying to Eric O'Reilly earlier on, I do have a big cynical head and I do look at everything with an arched eyebrow. And I think I am justified to be super cynical uh, about this entire case and, and Theranos as a business. Yeah, you absolutely are. Like for those who aren't aware somehow, uh, the short version is Elizabeth Holmes was a Stanford dropout who at 21 was starting this business, Theranos. The idea was that with a single pinprick of blood, it could perform around 200 tests from a machine. It was all smoke and mirrors and, uh, you know, which ended in, well, this trial essentially will end it for now because, as you pointed out, it isn't going to end just yet. Mm. And essentially there were 11 counts. She was acquitted on three, which were all to do with defrauding patients, which basically was around sort of, you know, showing that she herself was the one who influenced patients to go get the test that wasn't they were never likely uh, i thought well i thought they were never likely to be once she'd be found guilty and i thought it were at best wobbly is mm. what i'd call it there were four involving investor fraud which um she basically which were basically sort of sort of no verdict found on uh they were the investor fraud the people who invested after they'd asked for more detail but the four she was found guilty on of the 11 counts were probably the biggest in terms of uh, the actual charges, which was it was kind of a weird trial in this event that the heaviest charges are also the most stable, which I know is an odd way of putting it. Normally you're hoping worst case scenario will get one of the lighter ones in terms of punishment, whereas the four straight up good old fashioned investor fraud charges, which was basically defrauding from the offset, uh, like, you know, and uh, so and like they had the comfortably the clearest cases on those and cumulatively she faces up to 80 years behind bars for it. Now, as Jess hinted there, this she's not behind bars just yet because she is appealing and appeals in these cases. Well, if you even just look at trials in the past week, Jess, the Asher's case, which began, I think, when you and I were both in our teens at this stage, I felt the Asher's Bakery case only finished this week. So mm-hmm. trials can take a while. Uh, appeals can really take a while. And we're talking years yet. Like I'm 40 now. I well believe I'll be 45 by the time the Elizabeth Holmes uh, final, final, final uh, trial ends. Yeah, I think I was kind of surprised by the verdict, to be honest with you. No, I wasn't surprised. I was disappointed, to be to be completely honest, because I have read a lot about this. I have listened to all of the podcasts, which are great, Bad Blood and The Dropout. The book Bad Blood is excellent. You should definitely um, read it. It's by the journalist who broke this story, John Carreyrou. It's an excellent read and uh, a good listen as well, if you want to listen to it on Audible. But the way I looked at the, the verdicts were that she's in trouble for ripping off the rich people and gets diddly squat for the impact on the patients' lives. And they were the people who trusted the technology, um, not with not with money, but with their lives and with their health and with their loved ones' health. And I was so disappointed to see that no real action was taken on that front. 
Yeah, you see, they were always going to be the hardest of the charges to prove, though, just the problem. Like, I felt that they were even putting those on the docket was as much to show, look, we are carrying out the patients from the prosecutor's office than anything else, because if they were serious about it, and in fairness, proving that or even finding an example of it, I think it was near impossible, they'd have gone with a negligible homicide uh, type of charge. Essentially, you know, if they could have found someone who died because they took this test and taken the real tests, which is, by the way, extremely hard to prove at the best of times as well. But like, if they were serious, they'd have that's the only type of charge you could have really used because worst case scenario, having that in the docket, even if she walks, which she almost certainly would have, by the way, uh, in that scenario, would at least have given the fraud charges a bit more teeth in terms of the final verdict, uh, it, you know, in terms of tr trying to be able to, you know, get heavier fraud charges on her. As it turned out, they didn't do that, obviously, because there wasn't the case to use in that respect. And it meant really it was a fraud, char or fraud trial with a few bits thrown on but never likely especially from the judge's instructions to really get through like it wasn't a short trial just for people because mm -hmm. like we, people we look at recent trials like the Ghislaine Maxwell one's a great example of how quickly all that process went but uh, this was 15 weeks with 50 hours of jury deliberation so this was a trial which was thorough rigorous and quite a long jury deliberation period as well yeah and you mentioned there that you know she is appealing this isn't by no means a done deal but aside from that then we also have the upcoming trial of uh, Sonny Bowani who was Elizabeth Holmes' uh, partner um, romantically, but also then in business. And she made, or her legal team made some allegations or assertions about him uh, prior to Holmes's trial kicking off. So I, I do think it'll be interesting to watch that one. Do, do, do we have any insight into how his trial will go having watched the Holmes trial? Well, from the Holmes trial, it seemed that the argument of him sort of, you know, bullying slash abusing her, whichever way you want to put it, seem to have been discounted in the verdict, if that makes sense, as in whatever impact he may have had uh, in or any allegations that Holmes made about his impact, sorry, may have had, were basically discounted in the verdicts because, again, the four strongest charges were the ones that, you know, went through and they were the ones they were hoping that, you know, testimony or at least insinuation would uh, sort of help them with, and it didn't. Uh, for him, realistically, you're going to, again, probably look at a similar situation where, if they can get conviction, it'll be on those stronger, clearer cut types of charges because the basic prosecution will argue that now that they've got Holmes basically charged and uh, convicted on these, that he was basically, you know, at, at, at best the, the, the 1A rather than the number two in this organization at making these uh, particular actions. So they would be hopeful of getting very close to what they got in terms of the Holmes convictions on him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what sentences are, well, firstly, what, what verdict comes from the Sonny Balwani trial, but then also what um, sentences are handed down. Do you think um, others in Silicon Valley and other, you know, potential future Silicon Valley people were watching this with interests and uh, will, will dilute or, you know, downplay rather than overstate their products, their valuations, all that kind of jazz, because we've seen so much of this in recent years. You and I have spoken at length about WeWork in the past as well, who kind of completely jumped the shark. Now, obviously, it's not the same case as in Theranos, but there is this notion of once you get to that part of the world, anything goes. There is, although what I'd use for both WeWork and Theranos they have in common is that they weren't your conventional, boring Silicon Valley investors. There, with with, with, with uh, WeWork, it was uh, Masasashi Son and SoftBank who are generally pretty crazy to begin with in terms of their actions. With uh, Theranos, there was a lot more sort of high-profile people, so to speak, you know, getting involved with the investment. Uh, but like, you know, not, not, not high-profile in the tech world. And 
traditional investors weren't really going towards Theranos, which was probably the the one big red flag throughout that you didn't have the more boring VCs going there, mm-hmm. uh, who generally are, you know, willing to back some pretty aggressive, crazy companies, but they have what would best be described as a ludicrous uh, diligence and math behind their investments in terms of their risk factor. And obviously they just didn't like the risk profile of Theranos from the off, which probably an ongoing red flag throughout uh, that company, which obviously was proven to be correct. But I think the from having talked to people in like, you know, health tech companies, they're the ones most annoyed. Anyone, you know, with health and tech, basically, and especially if you're anywhere near blood, it's so much harder now for them to get investment because purely because they have to be so, so, so they already have to be comically rigorous to begin with. And now they have to basically be even more so and more transparent than they were, which on the one hand is great, but we're talking a lot of this, the additional work they're having to do is work for the sake of work. Like a lot of what they were doing already was pretty much enough in terms of thoroughness for your conventional investor, but they're just having to add on to that. So it's a greater workload in the health tech and particularly anyone in the blood related spaces, uh, you know, who are trying to do things that don't promise anywhere near what Theranos did, just to be clear as well. Uh, you know, they're promising far more conventional and boring, uh, you know, but like still like, you know, helping society types of technologies. And just for them, it's that's where we've seen the real pain point at the moment. They've had to do a lot more work that they necessarily wouldn't have had to do and probably shouldn't have to do in that respect. Final question. After sitting through the 15-week trial, um, knowing all that you know about Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes, what do you make of her as a character? Because some of the high-profile backers and supporters that she and Theranos had over the years they always described her as you know a very engaging very compelling very charismatic uh, very unique person she spoke incredibly well yes she had you know that persona and all the rest but is she impressive is she someone that you know you almost have to respect or is it a case of she is just the definition of a fraud I would very much go with the latter. Like people say, respect, I suppose. Being able to pull a wool over people's eyes, yeah, sure, there's a skill in that. But like even during the trial, especially the early parts, people were kind of going, oh, well, like, you know, you know, she might have been, she's saying she was misled or she was thrown down this path. I was kind of going, isn't this just another character she's playing? Like was my first reaction. Like, you know, the character she was playing before was Steve Jobs, uh, you know, with blonde hair. Uh, now she's like sort of, you know, so, somehow we're meant to believe this person who was pre- presenting themselves as like the, the forward thinking super hardcore leader is now this delicate person who was easily malleable and misled. Like, you know, to me, it's a case of, you know, just adopted the, the best conduct suited for the circumstances. So, no, like, I, I, I'm i not impressed. I'm, it's quite clear the jury wasn't either on the, on the whole, which is a good thing, despite sort of the little highlights, you know, managing to mislead some fairly intelligent people I know initially. And then I just go with them. I'll think about it this way. Like, you know, wasn't, isn't this just another con? And rather quickly to go, yeah, when you think about it like that, they would like, you know, and mm-hmm. so... It, Good con person, great, good for her, I suppose. But like at the same time, you know, a lot of people suffered as a result. And, uh, not, you know, obviously she's only getting punished for what she did to investors. But on the upside, at least she's getting punished. Uh, you know, well, she will eventually be punished. And so, yeah, I, I'm just glad that, you know, there is going to be some kind of sentencing. Now, the big question, I think, going forward, Jess, is whether she'll be able to stay out on bail after sentencing pending appeal. Because right now she's out on bail pending sentencing, which is a big, big, big difference. It's a lot easier to get bail pending sentencing than bail pending appeal. So that's the question to really watch for in the next couple of weeks while we wait the verdict, uh, the sentencing, sorry. Brilliant. Well, we will absolutely bring you the latest on um, that sentencing. 
And we will, of course, be watching the trial of uh, Sonny Balwani as well. Emmett Ryan, technology editor of The Business Post, as always, thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks for having me, Jess. Coming up next here on News Talk, Kira O'Brien will join me to mourn the loss of BlackBerry. Tech Talk, Tech Talk. on News Talk with One Sonic. High definition audio noise cancelling headphones designed in Ireland. Visit onesonic.com. Yeah, welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address as ever if you'd like to get in touch, or you'll find me on uh, Twitter. Nearly forgot Twitter uh, at Jess Kelly NT. Over the coming weeks and months and hopefully years, I will, of course, be reviewing the latest and greatest gadgets on the market. Uh, this coming Tuesday on the Pat Kenny Show, I will be talking about the Microsoft Surface Go 3. For those of you not familiar with the Surface range, I have been a huge fan since the very first one. Um, this is very much a hybrid device in that it can fully function on its own as a tablet but there is a keyboard that you can buy to insert it and it runs windows they are so powerful even that the mini version which is the go uh, is incredibly uh, powerful they're very impressive devices so i will have the full review of that on tuesday's pat kenny show if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so right now. You can go to the Newstalk app powered by GoLoud, search for technology on the Pat Kenny Show, hit subscribe, and every Tuesday a new episode will appear on your device as if by magic. Or, of course, you can tune in uh, to the Pat Kenny Show on Tuesday morning at around 11.30 and you will hear that review in full. Now, as I mentioned a few times during this week's show, uh, it was an exciting week in the world of tech with the Consumer Electronics Show. We got to see some very impressive new devices, um, some quirky ones as well, but there was, you know, a lot to kind of work through. But despite the excitement in the air about CES, there was also a moment of sadness as we said goodbye to BlackBerry. Keir O'Brien from the Irish Times joins me now to mourn the loss of one of the most iconic uh, mobile devices of all time. Uh, Kira, were you a BlackBerry user and a fan? I was, and I actually found my two of my old Blackberries last night. And actually, a funny story because BlackBerry it, it has a particular kind of a, 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 a tie-in for me because it's partly the reason how I ended up going out with my now husband. So oh. I kind of have a bit of a soft spot for Blackberries. Oh, tell me that story. Oh, well, we were friends, but like we didn't really talk all that often. You know, I, I knew him through my brother, actually. And um, he had a BlackBerry. I had one actually for review. <laughs> and uh, he, I had met him at something and he was saying he'd show me how to use it properly because like there was this BlackBerry messenger and he was the only other person I knew who had a BlackBerry. So he uh, showed me how to use BlackBerry messenger. We started talking a lot more often, discovered we had more in common than we thought and ended up going out. So... That's so lovely. Okay, so there is a sentimental side then because I I was actually just a bit too young for BlackBerry in that they were always seen to be in the hands of executives and high-powered people and when they were a thing I was kind of a kid and a teenager so I obviously didn't have one because I wasn't important I'm still not important Um, but talk to me why they were so influential and why they were seen as the device for those high-powered notiony people well there was the high-powered notiony people but also they kind of had a second life with younger users because of BlackBerry Messenger so I'll, I'll come back to that but basically yeah 
it started out with the BlackBerry was kind of like the first, I suppose Nokia was kind of the, the, the king of the smartphones, but BlackBerry was that kind of gateway device where they started off as pagers and then they got push emails. So the idea of you being able to send an email from something in the palm of your hand was a fairly new one. Um, along came BlackBerry with this great idea, it did it through Microsoft Exchange server. So it was something that a lot of businesses were using. And then they brought out their first, um, they basically their, their first phone, I think it was uh, the BlackBerry 957, and that was around 2000. So it had all these services that you couldn't get anywhere else at the time. Because remember, this is pre-iPhone, pre-Android, seven years before the iPhone actually became a thing. Uh, and, you know, several years before Android was ever going to be popular. So this was a device that you could use, had a really long battery life. You had a, a QWERTY keyboard on it that you could use to send emails very, very quickly. Uh, it was, it kind of, it, it kind of straddled that thing of a, of a, of a, a PDA and a phone. And it, there was nothing really like that out there um, that appealed as much to such a cross section. In a way, it was, it was a bit of a status symbol for a lot of people. So you had, yeah, you had the high powered notion people um, and business people, but you also had celebrities using them. And then, as I mentioned, you know, it had this thing, this BlackBerry messenger thing, which was basically device to device messaging pre-WhatsApp, pre-any of these, pre-iMessage. Um, and you could send messages basically free of charge over BlackBerry's network. Uh, as long as you were connected to this particular, this, this BlackBerry network, you could send messages to other BlackBerry users. And that was something that, again, as I mentioned, that's actually possibly how I ended up going out with my, my boyfriend and my husband. Um, because, you know, you could send messages for hours and hours and there was no such thing, you know, you didn't have to worry about, you know, reaching your text message limit. WhatsApp wasn't a thing. All of these messaging services weren't a thing at the time. This was something that we didn't have anywhere else. And it was this kind of unique selling point that BlackBerry had. And then, of course, it had the fact that, you know, it offered secure services and it was so addictive. It actually had the nickname Crackberry. So before we had smartphone addiction, we had Crackberry. I love that. Um, so how and why did it die and how, how and why did it fade away? Was it another victim of the iPhone? Yeah, you can kind of pinpoint it to that because obviously 2007 happened, the iPhone launched, um, it, it brought with it a whole heap of new services you know once they launched their their software developers kit and people started creating apps for the iphone so now you had this touchscreen device and then the blackberry started to look a bit antiquated beside it so you know they tried to keep up they launched um, a, a touchscreen device and the blackberry storm i think was i think it was around 2008 uh, didn't do as well as they hoped i mean and they they, they kind of had like blackberry had the advantage in that they had millions and millions of users i think they peaked in terms of sales or just over 52 million in 2011 and then things started to go downhill and you can kind of see that the popularity of cheaper android devices and of the iphone at the time were starting to, to, to climb up and up and they were taking market share away from it now you still had a core kind of uh, customer base of business users but people then started to carry kind of two phones they had one for business and then they had an iPhone for their personal phone so you know the, it was starting to lose in the same way that Nokia did it just it didn't keep up it was starting to lose that, that kind of cachet that it used to have um, they didn't capitalize I think on the ecosystem that they could have had you know so you know you had people creating apps for the iPhone and you know you didn't have the same level of apps on on BlackBerry, you just, they just weren't there. And then you had things like you know, WhatsApp and all these um, OTT messaging apps that allowed people to do what you could have done with BlackBerry Messenger, except you weren't limited to just BlackBerry users. And as long as you had a data connection, you could you know, you message anybody, it didn't matter what platform they were on, as long as they had WhatsApp or the same messaging app as you had, you, know, you could message them. So then that, that kind of, that, 
the, 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 the kind of the appeal of the BlackBerry was starting to go very much downhill and they actually stopped making their kind of their own hardware back in 2016 and then they they farmed out the the brand to third-party companies in a, in a similar way as you know Nokia stopped making phones and then another company took it up TCL made um, Blackberries and then they stopped in 2020 so there was these Android based Blackberries doing the rounds now they're not affected by this shutdown if you have an Android Blackberry you can still continue to use it this particular shutdown affects anything that was running on Blackberry's proprietary services the ones that basically made it so popular to start with and there is like a bit of a there's a bit of a nostalgia trip about it and a lot of people are actually quite sad to see them go because there are still people using their blackberries or at least they were up until january 4th because as of january 4th the proprietary blackberry service has gone and now it won't among the things it won't do reliably are make phone calls contact emergency services access data whether you're on wi-fi or mobile data um, send text messages so it's pretty much a paperweight at this point and it is quite sad. Well, look, thank you so much for talking us through that. I would love to hear if any of you out there have your Blackberries like Kira O'Brien. Uh, do let us know. You can email techtalk at newstalk.com or send us a picture to at Jess Kelly NT. Uh, Kira, as always, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks very much. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can, of course, listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. I'll be back on Monday morning on News Talk Breakfast with Shane and Kira. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend.